Colossians chapter 3. All right, we're going to start reading. We're going to be in verses 1 through 4. Verses 1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on, that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what you have done. Father, how you have blessed us, Lord, but also, Lord, how you have continued to guide us, Lord, to reach out, Lord, to students, to kids, to adults, Lord. Uh, Father, to do whatever we can do, Lord, to raise high and lift your name and so that we can tell others about you. Father, I pray, Lord, for this morning, Lord, that you would take distractions away, that you would speak through me, that you would help me to say exactly what needs to be said. Nothing more, nothing less. In Christ's name, amen. So in verse 1, we see where Paul is writing, if then. This is a transition statement. So I know we just finished a study through Colossians, but as I had mentioned, God had led me. Uh, we started planning this back in February, and yes, I'm already planning for next year. Um, I, I really, uh, the uprising was such a hit. I've gotten such great feedback from other churches, from volunteers, from you guys. Um, it's been incredible, and it's been a complete God thing. And for all the uh, comments and ones that are coming uh, for next year, we will double our numbers overnight, literally. Um, and I'm actually meeting with a team of uh, youth pastors later this week um, on Tuesday to have lunch with them to discuss the positives and the negatives from the uprising, uh, to challenge and encourage other students and other youth groups to come as well. But God led me to this. And here, I want us to, if you remember back as we went through this study, the first two chapters of Colossians were all about the deity of Christ. As Paul explained um, our faith in Christ, and then he transitions here in chapter 3, and then he's going to lead us to how we are to practice that faith. And so he says, if then, so it's a transition statement. He said, you have been raised with Christ. We need to stop right there. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, is he talking to everyone? No. Who's he talking to? He's talking to believers only. So I want us to make sure we stop here and make sure we get this. You see, a lot of times in churches, um, the justification is kind of skipped. Or people get justification and sanctification kind of blended or kind of skewed and really don't understand the difference. And so in some churches... As people come to church and start attending, whether they're regular attenders, they're even involved in ministry, it's not really addressed or mentioned, and it's kind of skipped over, and they start talking about how to live more like Christ, and they start talking about the sanctification part. Now, we're not going to go through the next set of verses that Paul describes how you should live a Christ-like life, the things you should and should not do. We're going to hold and, and study and, and look at just these first few verses during this transition. But I want to make sure that we are clear here and that we get this. Now, uh, here at Keystone, we go through a more uh, rigorous or more detailed membership process. 
But still, it's something that I want to make sure that is clear. Because when it is assumed that you know the gospel and you move straight to sanctification, uh, there's a problem there. And people get these confused. And so Paul has challenged us and explained our justification in Christ for the first two chapters. He has spent a lot of time there. He transitions then as he finished talking about our identity in Christ and starts telling us how to live like Christ. See, Paul and I, Paul wants you to understand that you don't do the behaviors that he's about to teach in the next set of verses. You don't do those behaviors in order to know Christ, but because you know Christ, you do these behaviors. Uh, love brings about action, not action brings about love. I love my wife and I do things for her because I love her. I don't do things in hopes that I'll love her. It's the same way with Christ. If you skip over the justification and you start trying to live like Christ, that's exhausting. We don't have the energy or the fuel to be able to live that way without the Holy Spirit first living in us and understanding justification before we understand sanctification. So the question that Paul really is asking is, have you been raised with Christ? Do you understand and have you acknowledged that you are a sinner, that you have accepted Christ's free gift of salvation, do you know and believe that Christ lived a perfect, sinless life? He died on the cross as a penalty for your sin and for my sin. And then three days later was raised to life just as he said he would. Do you believe that? Have you accepted him? And we don't want to just assume that. See, I don't want to cause anyone to doubt. I want to make sure you know without a doubt. Um, this leads us to our next question. Do you have a real affection to follow him? Now, I use that word affection is because, you know, we say love, but we love pizza, right? We love burgers, and that love just kind of gets misused and misconstrued a lot of times. So I'm asking, do you have a real affection for Christ? It means, do you have a humility and a submission to King Jesus, that means if you have a submission and a humility to follow whatever Christ says, then that shows that you have, have probably done the first part. As I mentioned, we won't read the next set of verses that explains Christian living, things you should and shouldn't do. If you've answered yes to these questions, well, then there's evidence that you have been justified through your faith in Christ. You see, we are justified through our faith alone, through Christ alone, and there is nothing that we can do to be justified. And then that leads us to being sanctified. How do you be sanctified? Sanctified is, is living like a Christ. So what does Paul say in this verse? In verse 1, he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Well, that leads us to our third question. What's above? Is he talking about the roof? He talking about the sky? He's talking about the birds that's flying over here? No. He gives us the answer at the end of the verse where he says, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. See, Paul is saying you need to look what's above and you need to follow what? Follow Christ. You want to show that you're a believer? Not only should you be justified, now to be sanctified, 
You need to rise up as you raised up from being dead in sin to life, just like Christ was died, was buried, and then rose to life three days later. As we were raised to life, now you need to follow him. And you need to look above. The problem is a lot of times we're looking around, right? We're looking at other things around us instead of what's above. Instead of keeping our focus on Christ and him alone and quit looking around at the circumstances and the things that we're involved in, we're looking at other people, we need to look to Christ. Um, Paul just finished explaining the deity of Christ, but I really want us to look back to see some of the verses that he used Um, in Rome, uh, excuse me, in Colossians chapter 1. Verses 15 through 21, Paul can say it much better than I can, but listen to how he describes Christ. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he, Christ, is before all things, and in him all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself, uh, reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. Following Christ should never get old. It shouldn't, it should be something, God's word says that his mercies are new when? Every morning. Following Christ, you ever, you have a favorite movie or favorite song? Did that stay your favorite music movie or favorite song? You remember what your favorite movie was when you were a kid? Some of you probably watched Barney, right? You love Barney. Do you like Barney now? Nope. Hopefully you're like me and you hate Barney. But what, what was your favorite as a kid? Is it your favorite now? No, because things change. Obviously things change because we say the statement all the time, things sure aren't like they used to be, right? Things change, but there is one thing that does not change, and that is God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even though we change, He never does. And serving him and following him, that's something that we should choose to do day in, day out. And it should never get old. It should never be a drudgery. It shouldn't. I read God's word and I've been a Christian like Vivian for so many years. Just a few, right? And I read his word and I see something that I never saw before. I learn something new all the time. And I've been to seminary. What's the difference? You need to make sure that you are in his word daily. So not only are we supposed to look above, so it kind of brings us to the next question. How in the world can you keep your mind on things above? How do we do that? Paul reminds us to look above and to make sure we keep our focus on Christ. In Isaiah, it says that Christ, as he faced the cross, he said his face like a flint which means he didn't, he didn't flinch, he didn't waver, he didn't look around, he didn't, he followed through, period, and he had his focus set. We're supposed to be that way. We need to have our focus set on Christ, but us, we are forgetful people. How many of you forgot to read your Bible this morning, right? 
You didn't wake up early enough or these circumstances happened or the coffee machine messed up and I had to get my coffee before I could do something else. I used to not be a coffee drinker. My wife is. For years, she begged me to just sit down and drink coffee with her. And I was like, I just couldn't do it. Finally, it's been, what, a couple years maybe, year and a half so ago, I was like, you know what? I'm going to develop a taste for coffee. And now I love it. And now we can sit down when she is able and just sit down and talk and have coffee together. Things change. Now, Sarah's trying to get Josh to do that, and you just guys just pray for him. <laughs> we learned actually from Tim and Carla that there's nothing like just having a moment together where you can just sit down and drink some coffee. So if you had asked me a few years ago about me sitting down and drink coffee, yeah, that wouldn't be me. But see, as I mentioned, God doesn't change. We do. And we are forgetful people. And Paul is reminding us consistently and constantly that, hey, you need to set your face and make sure you are following Christ and living as Christ lived. How in the world can we keep our mind on things above? We need to remember that the Bible is, has one central point. And that point is, is that Jesus is the Son of God. This Bible is not uh, uh, 66 books of 66 different thoughts and different ideas and different points. No, it is one book with 66 chapters with hundreds of many chapters in them, all with the same point. Jesus is the Son of God. And what happens is, is that we live for now. We keep our focus on what's happening right in front of us, and we don't prepare and live for eternity. To keep your mind on things above, well, generally, all of us need to spend time in prayer, need to spend time in God's Word. So the question is, and I ask our students this fairly often, did you do your devotions today? In fact, how many times have you spent time in God's Word over the past seven days? over the past week. You wonder why you're struggling. You wonder why you're doubting. You wonder why things are... Spend time in God's Word. Put Him first. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Or excuse me. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The more you invest into things here, the more you are tied to this world. So the question is not only how can I keep my mind on things above, but it leads us to our next question. What is keeping you from keeping you your mind on things above? What's distracting you? What's getting your attention? How many of you have already finished the last season of Cobra Kai just came out huh some of you binge watched that in the first day or two some of you are excited because fall is happening you can see the temperature slowly changing we're getting to that North Carolina where you got a weather where you got to wear a jacket in the morning t-shirt in the afternoon and then a coat at night you know it's that great North Carolina weather that you just don't know exactly what to wear that day Fall is coming, and that means, oh, Christmas is coming. You can't wait for Hallmark Christmas movies, right? And you can't wait for that day. You're already planning that Saturday where you're going to stay in your jammies and watch uh, Christmas movies all day long. 
Some of you actually plan to do those things. It's sad. <laughs> but we've got time to do those kind of things, but yet we don't have time to spend in God's word. We don't have time to spend in prayer, praying for the needs of others, praying that God would intervene, praying for healing for those that are struggling. We need to get back to the basics and quit worrying about all these things that distract us and take away from us. Those verses in Matthew is talking about money. And it's literally saying, hey, look, wherever your money is, that's where your treasure is. And I'm not here to preach about money. No. I work with students. We don't have any money. Right? When we talk about these things, we're talking about what? We're talking about your time and your talents. Because we don't have money. We have parents' money. But even then, it's only whatever they gave them to spend that day. So parents, I've warned you before, but be careful. I remember we went to a concert and the student was given quite a bit of money to take care of food and stuff. And he came home with t-shirts and a hoodie and all kinds of stuff. So be careful what you give them because they're not going to balance it out. (laughs) They're going to spend it. (laughs) But how do we set our mind on things above? The problem is that we are forgetful. Uh, In Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, Christ shares a story, and because of time, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to actually put it in my own words to make it more, uh, I'm going to retell it, this parable, make it more modern. So there was an accounts manager for a really rich guy who was given his two weeks notice. This guy was actually getting fired. He was getting let go. So he was like, what in the world am I going to do? I'm too young to start a new career, and I've already kind of grown accustomed to living this posh lifestyle. I'm going to lose my income and I'm not going to be able to get my Starbucks every morning. So there's no way I'm going back to Maxwell House. I'm just not doing that. So according to Jesus, this guy has a great idea. What does he do? So he begins calling all of his boss's clients who still owe money. And the conversation goes something like this. Hey, I see here that you owe my boss $100,000. I'll tell you what. If you'll pay a fraction of that, if you'll pay $25,000 right now, I'll give you an official debt settled certificate and we'll just call it even because technically this guy still works there. He still has the ability to do these type things. And so he did that. He did it with all of his boss's debtors. (laughs) This guy was a crook, right? He took advantage of a situation. And only Jesus could tell this story because then Jesus says, what a wise steward. He used an opportunity he knew was coming to an end to prepare for the future, to make friends for his new future. Because every time he made a phone call, he's like, look, we're settling this up for a fraction of what you really owe. And so when everything's said and done, if I need something later on, hey, remember this guy right here. Remember who helped you out. Remember who took care of you. And so he took those moments to prepare for his upcoming reality. We are so busy living in the reality that we're living in now. In James chapter four, verse 14, I believe it's verse 14, it says that life is like a vapor. It's here one minute and gone the next. We, I mean, in America, what's the rate now as far as for life for someone? 70, 80? 
But I know what the rate is for being born and dying. It's one for one. Um, something that we say uh, once in a while, but I want us to make sure we get it, is there is only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We need to quit preparing and planning for the future for here on earth, but start planning and preparing for the future in eternity. You see, in 100 years and 10,000 years, your bank account won't matter. In 100 years and 10,000 years, the kind of car you drive won't matter. There are only two things on earth that actually are truly eternal, and that is the kingdom of God and the souls of men. And Paul is saying you need to rise up and you need to begin investing in those things that are eternal. The souls of men and the kingdom of God. Quit worrying about today. Quit worrying about um, your bank account and those things now. Invest in the future. Doesn't mean the next five years. He's talking about investing for eternity to what really and truly matters. There is a dumb statement, and it's called YOLO. Right? What does YOLO mean? Yeah, you only live once. Is that not a stupid statement? I mean, really and truly, you live every day. You die once. So I propose that we change it. I was thinking, you really live forever, but I needed a vowel, so yalf, right? We're going to change it to yalf. You actually live forever. You don't just live once. You actually live forever. So begin preparing and planning for that. How? By investing in God's kingdom. By investing in others. You ever played the Monopoly game? Yeah, it's been a while, right? Why? Because it takes forever, right? But what happens at the end of the game? It doesn't matter if you had the boardwalk and you had the hotels or you had the Mediterranean Avenue, right? The really cheap one. Didn't matter which one you had. When it's done, all goes back in the box. I mean, it could have been a bad day and you were the last one to get to the game and you get that thimble, right? You knew it was going to be a bad game because how in the world could you respect yourself going through life as a thimble, right? You knew it was going to be a bad game, but it didn't matter. What happened at the end? It all went back in the box. It didn't matter. What matters in life? See, in verse 4, Paul says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Jesus not just gives us life, but he is life. And because of him, we will endure forever. You have to choose. Have you... What happens is we have people who are choosing the world and want to be part of the world, and they're like, oh, no, I'm a Christian. I want to be part of the Jesus. And we've kind of got our foot in both instead of being all or one. You ever seen somebody on a dock in a boat kind of straddling? they got to make a choice. What's going to happen? Pretty soon that boat's going to pull away, and it's not going to be pretty. You can't have your foot in the world and your foot and say that you're a follower of Christ. you got to make a choice. Either you need to just say, hey, I'm with the world, or hey, I'm going to follow Christ, and I'm going to do it wholeheartedly, and I'm going to do it with everything I've got, and prepare for eternity to what's important. And I'll finish with this. 
as part of our mission statement for our students, we also have things that we want to challenge them to do. We have three goals. It's exalt, equip, and extend. We want to teach our students to exalt Christ in everything we do. It doesn't matter if we are jumping and dancing and having fun, if we're playing silly games. We want to exalt Christ in everything that we do. Then we also want to equip. We want to equip them to become disciples so then they can go forth and make disciples. And then extend because we want to extend the love of Jesus with everyone that we meet. By living a Christ-like life, some of us kind of wonder, well, what about persecution? What about the troubles in this world that I may face? You know, we have no idea what true persecution is. You know, there are people on the other side of the world who cannot do what we are doing this morning. We take it so for granted. We show up for church. Yeah, we listen. We halfway listen. We go home. Yeah, I did my check. I went to church today. Yep, I even sang some today. I even thought about raising my hand today. We have no idea what true persecution is. We're worried about someone laughing at us, someone looking down on us. But we have people who are, who their lives are being taken for their faith in Christ. There is more blood shed over those who are persecuted today than ever before. Back during the Reformation, there was one, um, his name was Michael Sadler. He was actually a preacher and he proclaimed Christ. And he stood up to the leaders and to those in that day and they told him to stop. He was sentenced to death because he even during persecution, he would still proclaim Christ that they cut out his tongue. He was sentenced to burn on a stake. And as they drug him and took him and they placed him there on a stake and they tied his hands behind him and they set him on fire, literally. He couldn't speak. He couldn't proclaim Christ as he had been doing for so long to try to get others and understand that he was preparing for eternity, that what happened on earth didn't matter. What mattered was he was focused and that he was set for eternity and knew that he was following Jesus. As the flames came up and the ropes came unhinged, he couldn't speak, so what did he do? He pointed toward heaven, signifying that even through death, he was, his faith was not gonna waver. Keystone, I am challenging you. Do not let your faith waver. Take your foot out of the world and be all in on Christ. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.